shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we give you glory. We thank you, Lord, for another time in your presence. As we are gathered here to study your word, Lord, we ask that you'll come and teach us. Holy Spirit, I pray for utterance. I pray that you set me aside and speak to your people in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that every heart will be open to receive your word, that every heart will be a good soil for your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So, um, this is this is probably maybe the part one of um the last bible study um but then the title of this one is let the word of god dwell in you richly because the only time we can be transformed by the word or the word can influence the only time the word can influence our actions is when the word dwells in our hearts richly and so it is from our hearts that um all the issues of life proceed from and so the bible admonished that as believers we should let the word of god dwell in our heart richly now in colossians and our anchor scripture is colossians chapter 3 verse 16 but i'll start reading from verse 12 the bible says that um so Okay, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all things... Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16 says that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And so the preceding verses, the verses that come um, before verse 12 says that you should put off all these bad habits. And Paul lists a number of bad things that he wants um, the believers to put off. He asks them to put off envy, strive, and all sort of bad behavior. And then in verse 12, he says, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, he says that the believers are holy. They have been set apart for God. For God and they are beloved, they are loved by God. They are supposed to put on tender mercies, kindness, and all these things that are listed here. And as part of the new creation, as part of the new life, as part of the life that we have received from God, Paul tells the believers in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so among the things that they are supposed to put on, which Paul has listed here, Mercies, kind, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing one another, forgiving one another. If anybody has a complaint, just forgive. Then verse 14, he says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And then he moves on to give them further instructions in verse 15. And he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Then the next instruction he gives them in verse 16 
is that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So as part of the new creation, as part of the 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 um, new life that we have received, as part of the God kind of life, the life that is in the nature of Christ, created after the image of Christ, one of the things that we are supposed to do is to let the word of God dwell in our hearts um, richly. He says, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with praise in your heart to God. And so when the word of God dwells in our hearts richly, the result is that we'll teach, admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So then the question we want to ask ourselves is, we want to understand what the word of God is. And so what is the word of God? The Greek word used for word is logos. There are two Greek words that are actually used um, in the Bible. The first one is um, Logos and the second one is Rema. Logos is the spoken word, the written word. The spoken word or the written word of God. There are, uh, um, the, the second one is Rema, which is the spoken word. God's spoken word on a subject matter. Now, Rema is derived from Logos. So Logos is the written word. It's everything that God has written in the Bible, everything that God has said in the Bible. But Rema is God's specific word on a subject matter. And so as you are meditating on the word of God or you are praying to God about something, then or, or even as you are studying the word of God, then a particular word jumps to you and speaks directly to a situation that you are dealing with or directly to a situation that you are thinking about that is the rema and so the rema is derived from the logos so before you can even get a rema you must first of all focus on the logos so as we continue to study the word uh, when we have situations that we are dealing with then we'll be able to identify a specific situation Sorry, a specific word that speaks to our situation. And so Logos is Rema. I'm sorry. Yes, Rema is Logos that has been personalized. And so um, when when you, for instance, when, when um, you read in the Bible that um, by his stripes you were healed. And then you have a situation that you require healing. Because you have the logos in the word, God can use that logos that you are, you already know from the word to speak to your particular situation, and that with your at that point you you have faith to be able to apply. Uh, sorry, what you need is faith to be able to apply the word that God has spoken concerning your situation, concerning the specific situation. And so, Rema is God's specific word concerning a specific situation and so that can be um just the logos that has been personalized and before I, i'm saying that to say that um if the word of god dwells in our heart it will be easy to get a rima it is it's it will be easy to identify or to receive a specific word that touches on a specific situation that we are that you are dealing with or that you are believing god um, uh, you are believing God for or something that you are praying about that you are expecting an answer from God. The Bible in First John, in John chapter 1 verse 1 to 4 says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God 
and the word was God. The Bible says he was in the beginning. The first sentence says that, I mean, the first verse says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the next verse now refers to the word with a pronoun, he. It says that he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so the second sentence or the second verse gives us an idea that the word that is being spoken about, it's a person. And this is Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God, which means that Jesus Christ in all God's attributes, the word was equal to, or the word is equal to God. So in all the attributes that the word um, that God has, the word has all these attributes. The Bible says in him was life. So the life, the life of God is found in the word of God. The Bible says that and all things were made through him. All, everything that God made was made through the word. And without the word, nothing was made that was made. The Bible says that the word became the light of man and the light shined in darkness. And so all these things that the Bible is talking about, when the Bible says that let the word of God dwell in you richly, one of the things that we should think about or one of the passages that we should think about is this passage in the book of John. The book this the first the first chapter of the book of John gives us a very clear definition and explanation of what the word of God is. And so when we allow the word of God to dwell in our hearts richly, these are the things that we are allowing to live in us. The Bible says that the word was with God and the word was God. And so when the word of God dwells in our hearts richly, it means God dwells in our hearts richly. The Bible says that all things were made through him. And so if everything that was created was created through the word and this same word is dwelling in our heart in our hearts richly this same word can influence our environment because we can create an environment or we can create the things that we need using the same word that was uh, using the same tool that was used in the beginning for creation so if we have if we allow the word of god to dwell in our heart richly then we have creative ability to create things around us. So if there are situations, for instance, in the beginning, the Bible says that there was darkness on the face of the earth and God spoke a word and he said, let there be light. And so when there's a situation around us and the word of God dwells so much in our heart, dwells richly in our heart as the Bible recommends, then we can speak a word to transform and to change that situation. And the Bible says that the light shines in darkness and darkness did not comprehend it. Again, if the word of God dwells in our hearts richly, we can speak to darkness and see that a change and, and see the darkness change. The Bible tells us that the word existed from the beginning or before the beginning. In Psalm 90 verse 2, the Bible says, before the mountains were brought forth, Or ever you ha you had formed 
the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so we understand that God existed before creation. And so if God existed before creation and the word is God, then the, the word also existed before creation. And the word coexisted with God from the beginning. And the Bible says that, and the word was God, which means that in all God's attributes, the word has the same attribute. The word itself is God as well. Sorry. In, in, in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, the Bible says that for in him, talking about Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so Jesus Christ is a representation of God. When Jesus Christ was walking on earth, he fully represented God in a bodily form. And so that's what the book of Colossians tells us. And as we saw earlier in the previous slide, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the word. In, in, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, the Bible again talks says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in the heavens and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Again, this just goes on to uh, enforce or buttress the point that we made earlier, that everything was made by the word and nothing was made that was made without the word. Now, For a, for a virus to be able to, um, or, or rather, let me just use um, a medication. When you, you go to the hospital and you are given a medication, um, as long as the medication, when the medication is in the bottle given to you from the hospital, the medication has the, the, the potency to cure you of the sickness that you're facing. And so if, as long as the medication is in the bottle, the potency is still there. When you put the medication under your pillow, it still has the power to cure you, but it's not going to cure you. If you put the medication in your car and you drive around, the medication still has the power to make you feel better. But it will not make you feel better by just carrying it around. It will not make you feel better by just putting it under your pillow. It will not make you feel better by just saying that, oh, this medication, you can even tell your friends that this medication that I'm holding, if I, if I take it right now, I'm going to feel better. But as long as you continue to just talk about the medication to your friends, carry it around, drive it around, put it under your pillow, the, the power that is in the medication to make you feel better, you will not experience that power. It is the same thing with the word of God. The environments that the word of God flourish in it's your spirit. And that is why you need to get the word of God in your spirit. And so if you put the Bible in your car and drive around, the word is not in the environment that it can flourish in. Because the medication will have to go first into your stomach and then be in that environment that it can release the, the power that is in it or the, the healing, um, I don't want to say healing virtue, but then 
whatever thing is in the medication that will make you feel better should first of all get into a certain environment to be able to operate it's the same for a virus so on the screen i have a virus here but i change it to medication so all those things have the power to to bring an effect but they operate in a certain environment in the same way the word of god operates in the environment of the human spirit and so if the we are go, if we are going to be able to experience the power that is in the word of god then it has to get in our spirit and so the when we put the bible under our pillow and we sleep on it the power that is in the word of god we will not experience it when we just carry the bible around and tell people that oh, i have a bible i believe in everything the bible says and we don't allow the word to get in our spirit then we will not experience the power that is in the word the only time we'll experience the power in the word is when the word gets into the environment that it flourishes in and that environment is our spirit and that's why the bible says that let the word of god dwell in your heart richly the word of god can get in your spirit if you first of all read it we'll come to that meditate on it and then it sinks into your heart that is the point where you experience the power that is in the word because the bible tells us that everything that god made he used the word and for us to have the same effect or for us to experience the same power that is in the word the word has to get into the environment that it flourishes in and that environment is our spirit and that is why after hearing the word of God, you need to meditate on the word of God till it enters inside your spirit. Because that is the conducive environment for the word to flourish. The word flourishes in the human spirit. Now, how can we let the word of God get in, into our spirit? The Bible says in, in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, that we read, it says, Let the word of God dwell in your heart richly. To dwell means that the word of God should inhabit. It should stay in your heart. The um, It should be like a permanent abode for the word of God. Your heart should be a dwelling place for the word of God. The first contact that we'll ever have with the word is through reading or through listening. And the Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so when we read the word of God or when we hear the word of God, the second stage to get the word dwelling in our heart is to memorize the word of God, meditate on the word of God, speak out or matter out the word of God and repeat the word continuously in our heart. In, let it come out of your mouth. That is meditation. And Pastor Jessica preached on, on medication, uh, sorry, meditate, meditation the other time. So the word of God, first of all, guess you get into contact with the word through reading or through listening. And so as we are sharing the word of God right now, you are getting into contact with the word. The next stage is to memorize the word and meditate on the word. Matter out the word, repeat the word in your mind, in your heart. Then the word sinks into your heart and becomes part of your life. And so if the word is going to become part of your life or will get into your heart and will sink into your heart, then it comes through repetition. It comes through meditation. And so the word of God... <laughs> yeah, Pastor C says, 
Meditation is medication, yeah. The Bible, the Bible says the word of God is medicine for those who find it. And so you allow the word to sink inside your heart and becomes part of your life. And that is why you shouldn't just be quick to, um, when, for instance, if you listen to the word of God, just don't be quick to move on to the other one. Make sure that the first, the, the word that you have heard, make sure that it sinks into your heart. That is the only time the word can become part of your life. The word can become part of your life when it sinks into your heart. Amen. And that comes through meditation. Right. Now, the, the, the next question we want to address with us, our teaching today is, how should the word of God dwell in our heart? The Bible tells us how the word of God should dwell in our heart. From Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, the word of God should dwell in your heart richly. It means that as a child of God, the word of God should dwell in your heart abundantly. Your heart should be full of the word of God. You should not just have few um, scriptures in your heart. You should not just know a few things about God, but you should have the word of God dwelling in your heart in abundance. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so your life should be full of the word of God. In the morning, your life, your heart, your med the meditations of your heart should be about the word of God. The words that comes out of your mouth should be in conformity with the word of God. The thoughts, your, under, your, your thinking, your perspective and your view of the world and your view of issues should be in line with the word of God. If the word dwells in your heart, you will not just take a worldly perspective or a worldly view of things if the word dwells in your heart. And that is why the Bible recommends from Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, that the word should dwell in our heart richly. The word should dwell in our heart abundantly. It means you should have the word of God dwelling in you. I'm looking for another word, but your heart should be full of the word of God. And that is how, and that is the, the, the only time that the word, your life can be a reflection of the word. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 13, sorry, verse 33 to 37, this was Jesus Christ talking. He says, Either make the uh, the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? This is Jesus Christ talking to the Pharisees when they said that Jesus Christ performed miracles through um, the um, the spirit of Beelzebub, and Jesus Christ said that. Jesus Christ was telling that every sin that a man commits will be forgiven, but a sin sins against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And so he said, he's saying that if they are evil, they cannot speak good things. It means that their actions is in line with the words that has, that is in their heart, or the words that you are speaking, and their actions is in line. He says because you are speaking, you are speaking evil things. Because there's evil in your heart. And he then moves on to say that for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. 
An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men, uh, men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. And so everything that Jesus Christ, you can see that everything that Jesus Christ was discussing here was about words. First of all, words dwelling in our heart that influence our actions, that influence the things that we say. And so Jesus, the discussion that Jesus Christ was having with these people is about the words. First, it was even about the word they spoke concerning the miracles that Jesus Christ did. Verse 37 says, For by the words you, you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so there was a lot of emphasis on words. And that is why if the word of God dwells in your heart, it influences your actions, it influences your words. And so your speech is transformed. Your speech changes when the word of God dwells in your heart. For instance, when Lazarus died, Jesus Christ told his disciples that our friend Lazarus is asleep. Let's go and wake him up. Jesus Christ knew very well that Lazarus was dead. But in line with the word of God, in line, in line with what God says concerning a believer, that when a believer dies, they are only sleeping. Jesus Christ used what the word of God to say. And he wasn't lying when he says Lazarus, our friend, was asleep. Because in line with the word of God, when a believer dies, they are asleep. And so even when you watch the words of Jesus Christ, everything Jesus Christ says is in line with the word, in line with the scripture. And so even when you are talking about situations that um, you are experiencing, you speak in line with what the Bible says. Especially when you are talking to yourself or when you are talking to another believer, it's easier for believers to understand you when you speak the word of God concerning a particular situation. And so we just don't talk about situations as they appear or as the world describes them. But every situation that we talk about, it's better for us to say it in line with what the word of God says. I mean, that's just, by the way, that's just an example that I'm including in our study today. That even when you watch the words of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ spoke every time in line with the word. The Bible also tells us that the whole world was created in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, Bible says, By faith we understand that the wells were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made of things which are visible, but things that are invisible. And so what the Bible is telling us here, that we understand that the world was created by the words of God. And so every tangible thing that we see, every tangible thing that God created, was created through an invisible thing, which is his words. So the invisible thing that created the tangible things or the visible things is the word of God. And so if God created the, uh, the whole world by his words, it means that when we allow the word of God to dwell in our hearts richly, we can affect and influence and create things around us. If there are things that are missing in our lives, which will represent 
which are not visible right now in our lives. There are things that we want to see happen in our lives that have not happened yet. But as we use the creative ability of the word of God, we can create those things to happen in our lives by the confessions of our mouth. And so the Bible is saying that the visible things were created through the word of God. And so if the word of God dwells in our heart, then we can also create visible things in our lives. Now, when we talk about confession, it's not just um, saying positive things like the, the, the worldly people will say that, oh, just be positive and, and say positive things and um, have a, pos- a positive perspective of life and um, just declare, po- but declare positive things and then it will attract um, good things to you. No, but that's not what we are talking about here. What we are saying here is declaring the word of God, singing what the word of God says. And so the, the words that has the ability to create things is the word of God. It's not just positive words, but the word of God. Because in the beginning, God created the earth by his words. And that's what Hebrews here is telling us. And so it's not just a matter of um, saying positive things, but then saying what the word of God says. And like I said in the earlier slide, that the environment that the word of God flourishes in is the environment of our spirit. And so if the word gets into our spirit and we declare it and we confess it, then it has the creative ability as we saw in the beginning. And that is why we must allow the word of God to dwell in our spirit. Now, the word that is in our spirit, when the word dwells in our spirit, it gives, it grants us an understanding. It brings in a light in our lives. It brings in a revelation. And when we walk in that light, we are able to experience the power that is in that light. We are able to experience uh, the manifestation of what the word is saying the, the revelation that we have received, the understanding of the lights that we have, we're able to walk in that understanding and see the manifestation of the, uh, um, the word bear fruit or the fruition of that word in our lives when we allow the word to get in our spirit. And so as, as believers, um, one of the things, one of the greatest responsibilities we have is to allow the word of God to dwell in our spirit so that we will get an understanding of what the word says, so that the word will be one with our spirit. That is the time that the word can transform our lives, and that is the time that we can um, experience the power that is in the word. In Psalm 119, verse 9, to 11 the bible says how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to the word with my whole heart i have sought you O lord let me not wander from your commandment your word i ha- your word i have hidden in my heart that i might not sin against you so now this is david um this is david 
talking. He says that how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to your word? And so if we want to cleanse our way, like we read from Colossians or the preceding verses from Colossians chapter 3, that tells us to put off all these evil things, put off the um, envy, jealousy, strife, all those things. How can we do all these things? It is by taking heed to the word of God. And David moves on in verse 10 to say that with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh Lord, let me not wander from your commandment. And so David's delight is that he didn't want to move away from the commandment of God. He didn't want to move away from the instructions that is in the word. Because first, the first step was to take heed to the word and to ensure that you observe or obey what is what is written in the word and that's why god told um joshua that the this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall be careful to meditate in it day and you shall be careful to meditate in it day and night and you observe to do what is written in the word he says then you will make your way prosperous and have good success now anytime i read that verse I see that as a formula for success. I see that as God giving Joshua an instructions, an instruction on how he can be a, success, a successful leader. Because when Moses died, Israel, the people of Israel believed in Moses as a great leader. They had never seen a leader like Moses. And so the shoes of Moses was, a, was like a very big shoe for Joshua to, to put on. And so God came to encourage Joshua by telling him that this is how you can be successful. By ensuring that the word will not depart from your mouth. You meditate on it day and night and you observe to do all that is written in it. So when you meditate on the word of God, then it becomes part of your life. The Bible says, then you will have good, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. And so God's formula or God's path or God's, um, prescription for success is that you meditate in the word of God, you observe to do what the word is saying and then you will make your way prosperous. Amen. Now, verse 11 of Psalm 109 says that your word I have hidden in my heart I'm sorry, one minute. I'm sorry. I had to pause for a while. In, in verse 11, he says that your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so David is telling us like the, in Colossians that he has allowed the word of God to dwell in his heart. He has hidden the word of God in his heart. And because the word of God is hidden, I'm sorry, he's hidden in his heart. He will not sin against God. And so how can a young man cleanse his way? How can we avoid or how can we put off the things that the Bible is asking us to put off? It's simple. By allowing the word of God to dwell in our heart. Now, if you're struggling with any sin, if you're struggling, if you're having challenges, the path to come out of that is to allow the word of God to dwell in your heart. To be able to overcome any sinful life, allow the word of God to dwell in your heart. Remind yourself of what the word of God says concerning that situation. Meditate on what 
whatever situation that you are struggling with as a, as, as a believer, the Bible talks about it. Take that word. Let it dwell in your heart. It's not about taking that word and let, um, letting the word bring condemnation to you. By meditating on that word and allowing what the word says to sink in your heart will cleanse your path. Now, the heart is where we have our will, our intellect, and our feelings. And so, when we allow the word of God to dwell in our heart, it affects our will. So, one of the very significant changes that every Christian sees in their life is that their will changes. And it's, in, it's not in line with the word of God. It affects our intellect and it affects our feelings as well. Because that is this, the, the heart is the seat of all these, these three things. And so when the word of God dwells in your heart, it has an effect on these three aspects of your life. And that's why Jesus Christ told them that. Sorry, and that's why the Bible says that out of, out of the heart are the issues of life. And so we are supposed to guard our heart. The best way to guard your heart is to allow the word of God to dwell in your heart. In Acts chapter 20, which is a scripture that I like so much, when Paul was about to um, leave, or when Paul was leaving the church, this is what he told them. He says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are being sanctified. And so even though Paul was leaving the church, he says that I'm leaving you with the word of God because the word of God has the ability to build you up. The word of God has the ability to give you an inheritance amongst those who are being sanctified, among the believers. And so I commend you to God and to his word. And so Paul's recommendations that he was leaving with the church is the word of God. I mean, these are scriptures that I we use the other time. In First Peter chapter two, verse two, again the Bible says that therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so when you are a new baby in the when you become born again, you are like any other newborn baby who has come to this earth. Like we said the other time, that the seed that gave birth to you is the word. And the Bible is saying that you must grow. As the as 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 a, as a baby, you must grow. And the Bible tells you the milk that you need to grow. Is the word of God. And so if you are not happy with your level of Christianity. If you are not happy with your understanding of God's word. Understanding of God's ways. Or understanding of the things of God. Then what that means is that you must apply the word of God. You must apply yourself to the word of God. You must study the word of God. You must desire you must have a strong desire for the word for the word of God because the Bible says that if you drink the milk of the word, you will grow. It says as newborn babies desire. So if you have a strong longing for the word, if you always take in the word of God, you will grow. And so if we are going to grow from one level to another, if 
we are going to see growth, if we are going to mature in, in our work with God, then it depends on how we apply ourselves to the word of God. I think the last time I gave this example that every believer has the day that they accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. And that is the beginning of their work. Now, what set people apart is how they apply themselves to the word of God. So the grace of God is available for everyone. But how you apply yourself to the word determines your growth in the word. And so there are people who were born again the same time as many pastors. They were all probably they went on this. They went to the same crusade. They all accepted the Lord Jesus. They accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal savior in the same meeting. But as the days went by, their understanding or their level of maturity in, in, in God is different. You might see that one person is more mature than the other. It is all because of how they applied themselves to the word, how they gave themselves to the word. And that is why um, Paul told Timothy that if you give yourself wholly to the word, you're profiting your increase, your development, your growth will be obvious to everyone. And so when we give ourselves to the word, when we pay attention to the word, when we decide that we are going to study the word, when we decide that we are just not going to study but practice and do what the word of God says, then our development as believers, our maturity in the Lord will become obvious to everyone. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so it's not an issue of whether the word of God worked in a person's situation or worked in a person's life and will not be able to work in another person's life. The Bible tells us that the word of God is living and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so like the medication that is in the bottle, it has the potency, it has the power to bring healing or to, to cure you of any of the sickness for which it was prescribed to you. But the only time the medication will work is when you take the medication. And so the word of God is powerful. Everything that you have had, people have um, done with the word of God. The power that they were able to um, generate from the word of God is still in the word. But how you apply yourself to the word determines if you are going to experience the same results or you are going to experience the same power from the word. And so the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. And the joint and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of our heart. So the word of God is able to discern our thoughts and the intent of our heart. And that is why the Bible recommends that we allow the word of God to dwell in our heart richly. Now we don't want to be um, identified as average performance like if you are in a class 
or if you are learning anything or if um there's a competition or there's there's um something that requires ratings you will not be happy to be um identified as an average performer or somebody who is below average if possible all of us will want the highest rating as possible and so we should not also be um comfortable we should not also be okay or we should not just um be comfortable with being called an average christian most of us are just okay to be called christians we are just okay to say that oh we are christians i'm not people will, de- will not describe will describe themselves i'm not like a very 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 mature christian i'm not like somebody who i wouldn't say that i know a lot of the word of god but you are saying that you are christian and let's let me just use the word practicing christian and if you are christian why are you comfortable with accepting the label or the title of an average christian or somebody who is not a mature christian why are you happy and comfortable with that rating let me let me borrow that word that if you're going to rate yourself in your christian walk if you are asked to rate yourself that how do you how would you describe yourself most people will be like oh i'm still trying uh, most people will say oh um um most people actually will, will even say i'm i'm just still a work in progress also but paul i remember paul in the scripture saying that he's praying for the church so that they will be filled with the fullness of god so if paul was praying for the church to be filled with the fullness of god that means that we can actually be filled with the fullness of god and that's why in Ephesians the Bible tells us that so that we, until we all come to the stature of Christ, we come to the level of maturity of uh, maturity of understanding, maturity in our actions like Jesus Christ. That is where we have to get to. That is where we aim to get to. And so let's not be comfortable with average rating or being described as an average Christian. Just like in any fits, if you give yourself that, if you tell yourself that you are doing something, you are participating in a in a competition, you are participating in anything at all, you wouldn't want to be described as average or a, an average performer. And that is why even at our workplaces, we wouldn't want to be described as average performers. We definitely want to be described as people who exceed average or people who are excellent performers. And so in our Christian work as well, we should not just be we shouldn't just be comfortable with um average being described as average Christians. A lot of believers will say, oh I'm just an average believer. I, I wouldn't say that I am a matured Christian. But then the Bible is telling us that we should desire the word so that we'll be matured, so that we'll grow. And so that is the goal that will be matured. That is the goal that will be will grow. And it's okay that we are not all yet there. We are not there yet. But it's what I'm saying is let's not be okay. Let's not be comfortable with average or below average. But let's be pursuing maturity. Let's be pursuing that um will grow into the image of Christ and will become more and more 
like Jesus Christ. And so we must strive not to be average Christians, which means that we must apply ourselves to the word of God. We must study the word of God. We must take our Christian walk seriously, that we want to mature, we want to grow. We desire to see change. We desire to see maturity. We desire to move from whatever level we are to another level. And that's why the Bible also tells us to examine ourselves. And so it is important to examine yourself. I usually want to use this example in Acts chapter 19. When Paul met these disciples and he asked them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? I had a, a, a minister preaching from that verse. That have you become better since you believe? From the beginning of the year till now, we have heard a lot about, a lot of, um, 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 we've come to a lot of Bible studies, meetings. We have come to a lot of church services. We have heard the word of God. We have read the word of God. What are the significant things that has changed in our life as a result of the word that we heard or we read? From the beginning of the year. We should be able to see significant growth. If there was an area that we didn't have much faith. When the year began. And we touched on those areas. During our Bible studies. And we touched on those areas. Then when the the revelation of the word comes to us. We must let go of our, our unbelief in those areas. And then apply the new revelation. That is how we grow. Like we discussed the other time. When we allow the word of God to become part of our life. Right. I think the, the third sentence, it depends on where we place the word of God in our lives. And so, uh, like the example that I gave earlier, how we all apply ourselves to the word of God determines how we grow. Faith is the currency of the spirit and faith cometh by hearing. And so the currency of the spirit, that is like um, on earth today, we use money. And so the more money that you have, then the richer you are. In the same way, faith is the currency of the spirit. And because we are spiritual beings, we need faith to be able to bring change in our lives. When the devil came to, te to tempt Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, because he had the word dwelling in his heart, he quoted the word. When the devil came to tempt him, the devil tempted him the first time. What Jesus Christ used is the word. The word that was dwelling in his heart. And so if we'll be able to face, we'll be able to overcome temptations. If we'll be able to overcome the temptations of the devil and the enemy, then it is the word that is dwelling in our heart and not just the word that is written in the Bible, but the word that is dwelling in our heart is what will help us overcome the temptations that the devil brings our way. And that is why it's also very important that we allow the word of God to dwell in our heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, that Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so man is not supposed to live. This is like an instruction. So if you wake up in the morning 
I'm sure from from morning till now, definitely you have eaten. You've you 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 had some food to eat, and that is the bread. But Jesus Christ says that man shall not live by bread. He was quoting from the Old Testament that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so knowing very well that you are not supposed to go through your day just by eating bread alone, but you shall you, 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 you are supposed to go through your day knowing that you have received the word from God's mouth. You have read your bible and so don't let this scripture inspire you that man is not supposed to live by bread alone so as long as you have you have had some food to eat to nourish your body then you must feed your spirit with the word of god and that is why it's important that we don't go through our day from morning to evening without reading the word of God, without having a word. Even if it's just one verse, you take your phone, read, think about it, meditate on it, and allow God to use that to speak to you. So these are things that we can do to get the word in our heart richly, to let the word of God dwell in our heart richly. And now our last verse is John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus Christ says that the word that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And so the word of God is spirit. The words, um, the word of God is life. It brings life to our body. It brings life to our spirit and that is why the word of god should dwell in our heart richly amen and so this evening our study is on letting the word of god dwell in our hearts richly the word of god has a very important place in our life as believers our like I said the other time, what will set our Christian life apart is how we apply ourselves to the word of God and to prayer. So if we see any change, any growth in our Christian life, then it depends on how we apply the word of God and how we apply ourselves to the word of God. Amen. Is there any question? Is there any question? If not, we are going to pray. All right, shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We thank you for another time in your presence. Even as we have studied today, that we shall allow the word of God to dwell in our hearts richly. We pray in the name of Jesus for grace to be able to study, to be able to understand, to be able to receive revelation and understanding. In the word of God. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, O God. Give us grace to apply the word, to walk in the word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We pray that the word will bring transformation in our lives. The word will bring change in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. That will not just be hearers. We will not just be people who read the word. But will be people who practice and who do what the word of God is saying. 
We give you praise for this time spent in your presence. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Bless you.